All right, welcome to today's episode of The Visible Workplace. My name is Tom Rowley and I am joined by the wonderful Annabelle. Annabelle, how are you going today? I'm great, Tom. Uh, happy to be with you. Looking forward to another fabulous episode. Uh, hopefully, we can help some listeners, provide some you know, valuable information that might help them with their workplace, their life in general, put a smile on their faces. That's what we're here to do. Well, it's an interesting topic uh, for today's episode, the, the sedentary lifestyle. And when I was reviewing this, I was like, you know, it's not really a direct representation of the workplace. And yet it really is. Uh, what were your thoughts straight off the bat when you, when you looked at the, uh, at the topic? Straight off the bat, uh, so agree with you. So uh, sedentary, it's almost a bit of, uh, you know, a, two things in opposition. So you've got sedentary, which is very much in line with most office jobs, um, and, but we're trying to combat that. So, you know, how does that relationship work? Um, you know, how does a workplace encourage a less sedentary day at work. Um, so for me, I've had such varying occupations. So um, I'm feeling like my current experience, I'm a little bit torn because I, I am a professional golfer. I used to play tournaments, teach golf. Um, I was on TV. So three jobs that are, are, you know, high movement per day, many steps, a lot of movement. And now I've transitioned to a psychologist and I, I sit most of the day. So I have, for me, this sort of inner battle of, wow, I'm not used to sitting for so long um, and it feels like I'm, I've never been more sedentary. So I have some ways of combating that um, and I think there's, it's extremely important for our mental health to, to move around and be have the freedom in your workplace and be supported to move around. Because don't, you can become very frustrated. Um, it's not good for your health. It's not good for your mental health. So um, that's sort of where I'm at. Um, you know, happy to talk in and around things, uh, you know, all related to the sedentary workplace work situation. But, yeah, that's sort of what came to my mind. I have these two contrasting worlds yeah, if you didn't have the experience of what a workplace is that is active, then you may not appreciate the difference. You're like, oh, I'm just sitting around all day. No big deal. This is clearly what work is. And uh, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. A lot of people are in office jobs that are relatively fixed, sit at the desk, maybe get up and walk to the meeting room, walk back again, sit down. And to me, there is a problem. We have a problem in the West of people becoming more and more obese. They're putting on kilos. Uh, I don't think this is that uh, we're seeing a lot of health problems from it. To me, we've 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 seen a couple of changes. One is people's lifestyles are more sedentary. They're like sitting around doing more recreation that is inactive, watching or sitting at computers, playing computer games, whatever, less getting out. And I saw a, a strange cartoon that was, uh, you know, ch child in the 70s, you know, the punishment was go to your room and then the child in the 2020s, uh, get out of your room. And so that, there, there's clearly been this increase in weight. 
Uh, I live in an interesting place in uh, in the Byron Shire where there's a lot of focus on health and we, we tend not to have as anywhere near as much obesity as other areas. And whether that just is, hey, it's a more active lifestyle, people are up uh, doing things in the water, walking the lighthouse, or whether it's a more global focus on, on health and well-being, it's up for debate. But certainly in, in a lot of places uh, across the Western uh, world, we're seeing increasing in, in, uh, in weight happening. Mm. I, I am the same, I'm in the same boat in, in Sydney, in the Eastern suburbs. Um, you know, the, the demographic is very focused on health um, and that's a priority. Most people are prioritising moving even if they have a um, sedentary work um, situation where they're at a desk all day. Uh, most people are uh, prioritising the gym either end of the day um, and then also I think something that's really been beneficial is the work from home situation, um, being able to just get up and, and do your three-kilometre walk around the suburb, um, you know, that you wouldn't do when you're in the workplace. Uh, so it, it's there's definitely challenges that still exist uh, with, you know, sitting at a desk eight, nine hours a day. Um, but also I think people are more aware of, you know, the, the health risks, um, you know, obesity and the comorbidities that come with that, diabetes. I mean, you'd be able to list them all. But, um, you know, it is extremely important um, to, yeah, move around more. Um, I know that the days that I don't get to move, I feel probably flatter. My, my mood is flatter. And I don't sleep well at, as well at night. Um, and so there's all these little, you know, they might seem small or subtle, but there are ramifications of sitting at a screen all day and, and not moving. Um, I think socioeconomics comes into it a little bit. Um, you know, certainly in some areas of the country, um, you know, the types of food that people eat, um, play a factor as well and affordability with gyms and, um, you know, just opportunities to move are probably higher, uh, greater. But, um, yeah, I think for most people in office jobs, it's it's difficult to move as much as we really need to every day and get those steps in. So then I suppose my, my thing is the workplace, how are they going to help employees to move more? Well, I think to me, it's like, is there a belief that if someone is sitting at their desk for eight hours straight, or let's say it's four hours lunch break, four hours straight, what's their productivity compared to, hey, you're on 45 minutes of work and then you've got to get up and move for at least 10 minutes and then come back and then repeat that pattern and then who gets more done? I don't know whether there is any studies on this, but certainly from my own experience, my ability to remain focused at 45 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes, like I'm certainly typically hitting a wall at 90 minutes in terms of having to reset. And depends what I'm doing, of course, like if I have entered into a a flow state experience and everything's just happening and the insights are coming and the work's getting done, fine. But if I'm grinding away and I'm not getting much insight, not having much fun, 
then just sitting at the desk for four more hours may not really help us. Mm. It, 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 a reset is required. And I think this is where, you know, I suppose organisational psychology uh, comes into it and, and creating a culture uh, um, that is accepting and supportive of people resetting or I need to go for a, a quick walk, I need to go to the gym at lunch so that I have sort of two parts of my day I know um my husband Jared used to do that and he said he almost felt like he had two days in one it was the you know the work that was done before lunchtime um so it was it was work gym lunch work and he, and he felt like his productivity almost doubled because he he got to reset and he was afforded that time to you know have for himself and for his health um, you know, if those sorts of practices were acceptable in workplaces, I think you'd have uh, less disgruntled workers, higher productivity and healthier, happier workers. But how many how many workplaces are, are, are saying you can go over probably a minimum an hour, if not an hour 15, by the time you, you have a, let's say, a half an hour, half an hour workout, a uh, 15 minute shower, 20 minute lunch, and then come back. I like that luxury, 15 minute shower. <laughs> but uh, well, what, I, I suppose one of the challenges that I have run into is I've experimented with this. And in summer in Australia, trying to exercise in lunchtime is pretty brutal. Like it can actually take some time for the body to reduce its temperature and so usually mm. i have not done exercise at lunchtime but rather gone to meditation which is a different type of reset but it is still a reset but my my normal uh approach has been do something in the morning before work but mm. once at work i remember i was getting trained by a gp back when i was a gp reg some years ago and he was like, don't forget the possibility of taking a patient round the block and walking with them as you talk. And I was, this was such a left field idea to me. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. I don't think I've ever, maybe I've done it once, but it's got some benefits. Number one, it gets out of the box, like as a GP mm -hmm. in the box, probably as a psychologist in the box, you're like, oh my goodness, what's the view that I've got? Not much. It's a, I'm in the box, but exiting and walking and uh and having the consult that way it's fascinating privacy was a little bit like eh, awkward but the actual experience was quite a different uh consultation because we we're moving so you did do it i did do it yeah no i remember doing it walked around so, so, so how does that work with the timing because uh, don't you have very short uh consultations oh. Yeah, so it was, I think it was, it was a, quick like, walk, wasn't it? a quick walk, you know, 10 minutes. We were back in the room within 10 minutes. It was like small block, but we did do it. It was really, because I remember I was like, oh, privacy is a bit of a challenge here. You know, is someone doing the gardening and we're walking by? But yeah. no, maybe I, I must, it must have been some time ago. But anyway, I remember the concept. It's but uh, in general it, practice. Yeah, that's, that's a different kind of psychology for sure. I mean, I know for me, at some point, I'd like to do consultations for golfers doing performance psychology, and I take them for nine holes, and the session happens in that two-hour block on the course as they're playing. 
Well, that's so, a pretty yeah, good so job there. Thank you. <laughs> the patient. Uh, if, <laughs> if anyone that's wanted that, cool. do you have a website? What's your website? I do, AnnabelleRolly.com. Annabelle Rolly. Uh, if you're in Sydney, that to Sydney, more than yeah, happy to help. Is it Annabelle J or Annabelle Rolly? I can't remember. Just, just Annabelle Rolly. Annabelle Rolly. Okay, cool. So if someone Great wants Annabelle Rolly, yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That that is a that is a possibility um, and something that I would like to focus on in the future. Um, you're sort of hitting two birds with one stone. So you know, I actually actually get to see someone in the setting that they're struggling in. Um, and then also providing them with, um, you know, strategies um, and therapy on the course. <laughs> what a, what a better what better environment for it to happen in than a beautiful serene golf course? Well, it's an interesting one because uh, I mean I have seen workers as a GP and uh, at where they've come in with workplace difficulties and. It's not, I'm, I'm consulting in my workplace, which is alien to their experience. And I don't, you know, they can tell me about yeah. what's going on, but it is an alien experience for them. It's not their actual workplace. I think with the golf, uh, you get to exercise and it's actually in the location. Uh, yes. But, I mean, the, the, the interesting one to me is how tolerant are we in our workplaces of watching someone get up and go for a walk for 10 minutes or meditate for 10 minutes or do these things? And I think the risk of judgment is quite high. Hey, what are you doing? You're not working. You're taking a walk. And yet... I wanted to bring this up that when I'm exercising, surfing, training, that is often a time when insights will come completely unrelated to whatever I was doing. I'm like out on the waves and I'm thinking about it and it just, it does, it's not even like the problem. I, I, it just, the insight arrives. And so mm-hmm. I'm not sure how this actually happens, but it does seem like physically moving our bodies opens the opportunity for more insight to occur. And that could be far more valuable than another 10 minutes of grinding away. I, I digress slightly, but it's still very relevant. My experience uh, with movement and particularly exercise and creativity is, uh, you know, there's an incredible correlation there. And I don't, I don't experience that to that to such a degree in any, any other at any other time in my life, whenever I've needed to write a speech or um, content for television shows, um, I need to run. I need to move. And it's exactly what you're talking about, um, where these revelations happen or the creativity juices start to flow um, or problem solving happens. Um, And I've often thought, you know, is this something that just pertains to me, but it probably doesn't, you know, it's just humans in general. Um, so, you know, exactly it's it's moving that might actually fix that problem at work or help with the lack of productivity or motivation or desire to, you know, be sitting at that de- desk the full fifth day in a row now, I'm over it. Is that, got, is that the best headspace for productive work? Um, and, and also just touching on, you know, we can talk more about it, but the tolerance 
because it's not just the tolerance of the supervisors or the managers, but it's also the other side. It's the perception of worker. Am I going to be judged? So it goes both ways. You know, like I'm, I, I think I'm particularly sensitive to I don't ever want to look like I'm not working hard. I don't want to ever shirk my commitments. I don't want to, I said that I would give my all. I need to 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 demonstrate that. So going for a 10-minute walk might be, you know, incongruent with that. But I'm I'm probably wrong because I work in a workplace with wonderful management that know how to manage people and are totally accepting of you know, breaks and people walking around and needing that. So then it's it's actually me that's, you know, you know, what do I need to feel comfortable to do these breaks? Because it's also, you know, I have to be, I have to be responsible for myself. If I'm able to say that my managers are okay with this, I have to be able to say I'm okay with this. So now we're getting into, you know, psychology um well uh, to me what's coming up is do i know what is acceptable behavior in the workplace is is it documented is it okay because let's say that that this actually is a more productive way to function that the capacity of most human beings is limited to some degree of focus for for a certain amount of time and after that performance drops right off unless there's a reset of some kind but i'm in a workplace and no one speaks about it and it's not documented and i'm i'm now dropping performance but i'm living in fear because i'm like well i've got to sit at the desk and do this over and over even though if if the actual uh, experience is if i just took 15 minute walk and i'm getting paid for that but i come back and perform at a much higher level then this is this is a much better thing so i am wondering tom if it's ambiguity that is the issue in terms of work places not providing enough uh you know information or transparency around what is protocol and what is allowed and and it's funny that we have nailed it and and you know pinpointed the problem because i had a, a an experience just yesterday in my workplace that sort of describes this sort of issue with ambiguity and so i've been in this this role i'm new to it so um, I'm only five weeks in and I've been struggling with my case noting. Um, it's it's really down to my inexperience and also that I can't have my hand held through every moment of every day. So in my, my note-taking, I've been wondering, am I doing this right? Am I not doing this right? And in that process, it's A, taken me a long time and B, there's been a lot of uncertainty around, you know, am I doing this properly? And I know that case noting is really important for the governing body, for, for me, for the outcomes and the follow-up that that are, you know, necessary for my, my um, clients and my practising psychology. So um, yesterday afternoon there was a professional development seminar with an expert on case noting. And in that hour, everything, every question, every doubt that I had was answered. And I just felt the weight of the world off my shoulders. 
because I had been provided with the education, the information and the, you know, expert advice around case noting. And I'm just so lucky that this happened five weeks in and not two years in because sometimes, you know, and, and I had asked for help, but not necessarily not everyone, you know, a certain manager helped, tried to help me and she's great, but her explanation didn't really answer all of my questions and it didn't really make me feel all that much com- more more comfortable. So, you know, here we had a session for anybody that wanted to join in and I could tell in that session that there was 99% of that, that room online um, was in the same position as me. Yep. And so yep. there was a breakthrough. Well, particularly if, if your manager or the other team members have not resolved this issue as, as in they didn't sit with an expert and go, this is what the standard is and this is what you need and you've got to do this, this and this and this you don't need to do and this you don't need to do. Yeah. And suddenly yeah. you've got the guidelines and the performance for, hey, this is what this is meant to be. Now, other people may well have been doing the work and done their best, but they have been living with this anxiety, not able to speak to it, not really able to resolve it. And and then you come to them and ask them for guidance. It almost makes it worse. And it's like, oh, I don't even know if I'm doing this right, but I will I will give this to you. And, and, and they do their best. But uh, this is the same problem as the, as the sedentary lifestyle. It's like, how do I know I'm doing the right job? How do I know that I'm doing it correctly? Am I allowed to take a 10-minute walk? Should we be taking 10-minute walks? Should we be doing group meditation? Should we? And But if, the, if we don't know, that's a problem. And then if we know but no one else in the business is aware of it, then we've got a, a culture problem of, hey, I think I'm doing the right thing, but I'm not sure. And that is a recipe for an anxiety you know, experience. Every day you show up and you're like, not really sure whether I'm doing this right or not. And no one's telling me I'm not getting in trouble. But one of the things that can happen is, hey, by the time you find out it's a problem, it's nine months down the track and you're like, oh, why didn't someone tell me? I wish I knew. And that's why I'm really grateful you had this experience. Yeah, it's fortunate to have had this experience yesterday, five weeks in rather than nine months or even worse. Like this could have gone on and on and on. And and it, it it's ill I'm ill equipped to do my job without those skills, but I just find this you know it's it's quite um, it's interesting that as we do this podcast with each session we do no matter what topic we do we seem to come back to transparency. So we're talking about a, the problems that exist with a sedentary lifestyle at work. Yet it always comes back to transparency. Yeah. <laughs> am, I, am I confident? Because a confident worker who knows the rules of the workplace and knows they're doing a good job, knows what is expected of them, it's they can let go of all of that anxiety, let go of all that worry and, and almost like turn off that part of the brain that's thinking about, am, am I doing it right while they're trying to do the work? And if I can turn that off, then my focus becomes much more uh, available to do the actual work. 
and know that I'm meeting standards and go home feeling good. And the boss is like, yep, this is awesome. And we're all operating versus without transparency, I- I'm blind. I can't see. And and that's that. I mean, that's the essential nature of the podcast. Hey, if we can't see what's going on, whether it's culture, whether it's expectations, whether it's how to take notes, then we end up with all of these problems. Well, that's it. And I suppose on a, a, from a psychological perspective, I would love to empower people to be comfortable with speaking up and asking, hey, I don't know how to do this. Can you tell me what's protocol here? Or can you tell me the procedures? You are as an employee or as a contractor or whatever you are, like, you know, if, if you need to ask somebody how to do something, you're perfectly entitled to do that. You know, so I think there's an empowering factor as well because I can guarantee you that everybody in that session yesterday was not five weeks into that job and they were all uncertain of how to do this. So what does that tell me? That they are not able to speak up and I'm not saying it's the management's fault or the the company's fault, but this is where we, we land with a lack of transparency We land with people that have been working for a company for probably up to five years that are sitting in that meeting yesterday going, I'm just learning how to do this. Or maybe, you know, I'm so new to this company, maybe these these professional development courses go on so frequently that this could never get out of hand like that. But I'm sure at some workplaces, it sure would. And are people feeling empowered to speak up? And, And are they feeling like it's okay to be vulnerable? and say, hey, I've worked here for five years. I don't know how to case note properly. Is that okay with you? <laughs> Whose fault is this? Is this your fault or my fault? Let's talk about it. It, it, it gets worse. If you, if you have the problem, don't speak about it, then it gets worse. Five years in and then you finally like, I'm, thank goodness someone finally tells me how to do case notes. Uh, it, it's, uh, th- there's even a danger in that though, that looking back over the last five years, I'm like, oh, I haven't been doing a very good job or whatever the thoughts are, Correct. you know, that's almost a, 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 you need some therapy around that. Actually, you know, you did your best within the confines of what you were able to do. Now we've got an improved process or now you know more. Great. We run from here. Love, but yeah. it could be that people freak out about, oh my goodness, I, I haven't, I never met the standard. I didn't know what the standard was, so I couldn't meet it. But uh, really interesting. I mean, what comes to mind for me, if this is such a critical part of the work and one of the great benefits is of technology that presumably this thing was recorded, that at the end of week one, week two, week three and week four, you actually watched that case notes training four times. At the end of the four weeks, uh, having begun your job as a psychologist, you're like, I know exactly how to do notes. Like, and the third time, fourth time, it might be, eh, what am I doing? But what is very curious to me is when I loop back over the same material, there are mm-hmm. further insights that come, further nuances, or I've implemented some things and now the next level of whatever they're talking about becomes available. And so the looping that education on critical aspects really could make a big difference uh, you know, to, to the workplace. Well, another another point um, that I think is relevant to to make is not everyone listening to this might be on that side of the fence. They could be a manager, and something that I think is really important is to to know where your people are at. 
So because, you know, it's you mentioned before, it's how your um, call for help is received often because you're not going to be vulnerable and speak up if you're not received well. So I think that's really important as well in case anyone is on the other side and wants to understand, you know, transparency from a management point of view. Um, because I noticed yesterday in the Zoom, I can see everyone that's in there, and I noticed that there were several managers in there, which I thought was excellent. But I thought there's no way that they don't know how to case note, so they're not here for that purpose. Hopefully they're here to, they will join the meeting to, to actually ascertain where their people are at. Because one lady who was very, very articulate and I think very experienced said something that was quite wrong in, in there in terms of just she was incorrect and she, she clearly didn't mean to be case noting this, you know, incorrectly. But she said one of the most important, her comment was one of the most important things to do with case noting is capture the conversation verbatim. Which is it is incorrect practice, and if you did do that, you'd be writing a hell of a lot of notes. So um, it's not really how to do that, but it's important for the management to hear something like that, so that they can best manage, you know, their staff and you know her in that instance, and not be judged. I'm sure she left that meeting feeling quite foolish because the um, the, per the 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 person hosting it was non-judgmental and perfect in her response back but she was like no that's actually incorrect in front of a whole lot of people and this is exactly what I'm talking about with the transparency and why people don't like to be transparent <laughs> right because it could expose that I don't know what I'm doing that I I'm like no I I I have a I I take notes exactly what's said and they're like yeah. no well I, I mean that could be explored why did you think that how did you get that training yeah. And could you consider yeah. that maybe that's not the purpose of the case notes, but the case notes is for this purpose and therefore verbatim doesn't really work, but this does. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, those, that those management sort of is perfect of that, you know, and, and it was managed well, but this is, this is like the crux of it, right? Like it's transparency, but there still has to be really good management yeah. and, and there has to be people willing to be vulnerable. Absolutely. Yeah. Vulnerability and transparency. These skill sets uh, really are very critical to modern workplace, it seems. Mm. Anna, we have to finish up. Yes. Uh, once again, time has flown and we have a challenge within the podcast. What's going on? So for everyone listening, I have been diagnosed with voice box nodules. So uh I'm glad it's nothing more serious, but it does entail uh, speech therapy weekly um, and management of uh, just, you know, my amount of speaking. So I'm, I'm going to take a little hiatus from this podcast, but I have every intention of being back and better than ever. And um, so for now, uh, it's over to Tom, you know, and your information, I'm sure, is um, extremely well received and, and valued by the listeners. So hopefully you continue on without me for a little bit. But um, I will, I would love to be back. And um, thank you for having me, Tom, and for everybody that's tuned in. Um, it's been great, these six episodes. Um, but for now, I'm just going to take a little break and, and focus on my health. Um, 
I think oh, that's critical. I really think it's very important to to deal with these. Uh, um, if if they don't get dealt with, then long term problems and difficulties. It's well worth uh, the investment of of time and effort into into whatever has to be done. I, I hope it I hope it settles and and uh, love to have you back on uh, once that's once that's all done. And they're like, wow, you can uh, come back on and be like, wow, Anna, what have what have you done? Your voice is amazing. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I uh, had a look at the the website of was it David Love? Uh, Roger Love. Roger, Roger. Love. I yeah. Found that really, really cool. I thought, wow, maybe I'll have like an Oscar, you know, <laughs> actor actress's voice when I come back. Yeah, Roger is, I think, voice training to the stars. Uh, very well known and uh, and has has treated a lot of the. Um, of professional actors so uh if you are in the in the market for voice training then go and check out roger uh annabelle look it's been great having you uh and i look forward yep. to uh welcoming you back when when you get to that place um thanks for today's episode i hope people got a lot of effort out of it have a think about where does uh some movement fit into your workplace what's your takeaway from today uh, for me, it's that piece that I said on empowering people to, you know, speak for what they believe in and, and what they need in their life to, you know, be the healthiest, happiest version of themselves. So just a little bit of positive empowerment to you guys. Brilliant. All right. Well, that's going to finish up episode six. Thank you, everyone, for listening and joining us. Uh, been a uh, another great episode, uh, and I look forward to seeing you again next time. All right, Annabelle. Uh, catch you then. See you, Tom. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining us at the Visual Workplace. This is a notification that the information and ideas discussed here are general in nature and do not take into account your specific circumstances. You should seek specialist advice for any medical, financial, emotional, mental, or other difficulties that you are facing with appropriate specialists and professionals so that they can apply your specific circumstances and give you the required advice. Thank you for joining us, but this is also a notification that all information is indeed general in nature and not specific for your personal circumstances.